What makes a story turn into a myth? Is it as simple as fulfilling a need within a society, or is it something more than that? Some lore is based in truth, while some is fictional, serving purposes ranging from control or warning to entertainment and fun. Different types of myths seem to crop up during famine, while other types appear during times of plenty. We see different myths during peace versus war. When does a story cross the threshold into myth and legend? What elements make a story legendary, something that becomes a piece of cultural mythology? We often believe that all the legends that will be created have already been created, that we've advanced to a level of knowledge and education that we don't need myths. But we would be mistaken. Legends are living things, always growing and changing, evolving with our societies. While many generations only had oral myths, that grew into written legends. And now, our stories are growing with our technology. With the advent of the internet, we suddenly were able to access other cultures' myths and folklore. And we also found ourselves in a unique position that no previous generations have been in. A global culture. In 2009, that global culture witnessed the birth of a new myth, although we didn't know it at the time. We were there to watch, and many even became active participants in the creation of Slenderman. In June 2009, forum site Something Awful posted a challenge for photoshoppers to create paranormal images. A man named Eric Knudsen, under the pseudonym Victor Serge, submitted two photographs to the challenge. One photo featured children playing on a slide in the foreground, while in the background, under the shade of a tree, a tall, thin, human-like figure stands surrounded by children. If you look closely, the figure appears to be surrounded by something like tentacles. The second picture features children walking down a path or a gravel road. Toward the back of the photograph, a tall, thin figure walks with the children. The figure is faceless and appears to be wearing a black suit with white shirt. The children are walking toward the camera and appear to be frightened. The photographs are accompanied by text explaining that the photographs were all that was left from a library fire and were taken in 1986 on the day that 14 children went missing. The appearance of the figure in the photos is stated to have been explained away by officials as film defects. That's basically the extent of the original Slenderman mythos, but it quickly took on a life of its own. When it comes to Slenderman, 
There is no canon, no rules, and no shortage of creativity building the myth. Due to the lack of Slenderman canon, his physical appearance, purpose, means of attack, and even his abilities are all variable. Generally, Slenderman is described as around 8 to 10 feet tall, wears a black suit with white shirt, usually with a tie, and has a white, featureless face. Some say that Slenderman has a face, but that the face changes based on the desires or fears of the person viewing him. His arms are usually described as unnaturally long, even for his height. Sometimes he has tentacle-like arms, but he can also have long arms with additional tentacle-like appendages that are sharpened at the ends. He has the ability to teleport and manipulate the environment around him, including manipulation of people, and his presence can cause, quote, slender sickness, resulting in hallucinations, nightmares, paranoia, and nosebleeds. Slenderman haunts forests and abandoned locales, almost functioning as a sort of dark fairy. Slenderman's victims are almost always children, and what happens to his victims is almost always left to the imagination. His suggested motives have included bringing believers or followers into his world, escorting children to the underworld, and murdering for the sole purpose of killing. It isn't even clear what exactly Slenderman is. He could be an alien, some kind of ghost, a forest spirit, a cryptid, or just an otherworldly being. Slenderman's story has been influenced by a wide variety of real life, pop culture, and existing myth including Stephen King, Zach Parson, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Resident Evil, Silent Hill, Mothman, Shadow People, Men in Black, The Mad Gasser of Mattoon, H.P. Lovecraft, and a DC comic superhero called The Question, who fits into the Slenderman story twofold, based on both his appearance and the character's actual name, Victor Sage, which is suspiciously similar to Eric Knudsen's pseudonym he created Slenderman under, Victor Serge. Slenderman has eked his way further into pop culture by influencing movies like the one aptly named Slenderman, a web series turned movie called Marble Hornets, two video games, titled Slender the Eight Pages and Slender the Arrival, respectively. And a Slenderman lookalike even makes an appearance in the video game Minecraft under the name Enderman. Since Slenderman's inception, he has been a collaborative effort with each storyteller telling a new or a different part of his story bringing their own experiences and biases into the myth. He can represent the fear of the unknown to one person while representing fear of the overconnectedness of our world to another. 
He started as nothing more than a couple of photoshops with creepy captions and turned into one of the most well-known creepypastas the internet has generated thus far. If you aren't sure what a creepypasta is, it is a horror-based short story written by internet users to scare others. These stories usually include themes of gruesome violence or the paranormal. Other well-known creepypastas include Jeff the Killer, The Soviet Sleep Experiment, and Ben Drowned. Some creepypastas have proven to be very enduring, Slenderman being one of them. But there is at least one thing that sets Slenderman apart from other creepypastas. Real-life crimes. And yes, that is crimes with an S. To date, there have been at least three violent crimes directly linked to the Slenderman legend, and countless others that have been loosely connected. In 2014, in Cincinnati, Ohio, a minor, unnamed to protect her and her family's identities, attempted to murder her mother by stabbing her in the chest. The mother reported that she came home to find her daughter wearing all-black clothing and a white mask and wielding a kitchen knife. The girl was known to be a fan of the Slender Man story, but was also reportedly suffering from mental illness. After the attempted murder, the child was sent to a juvenile detention center, but writings found in her bedroom at home discussed her obsession with Slender Man demons, and insanity. Due to the protected nature of this particular case, it is unclear if this child received the support and treatment needed for her mental illness. Later in 2014, in Port Ritchie, Florida, Lily Marie Hartwell soaked a towel in rum and bleach and set her family home on fire before running away with a bag of weapons and belongings leaving her mother and brother behind in an attempt to kill them with the blaze. Luckily, both her mother and brother escaped the house, but they were not aware that Lily had run away. Lily's mother attempted to re-enter the home to save her daughter, but by that point, the flames were too hot. When firefighters arrived on scene, they entered the burning home in an attempt to rescue Lily, endangering their own lives in the process. Lily later admitted that she and her mother had argued about chores earlier that evening, and that she was influenced to commit the crime by her obsession with a book series called Soul Eater and the Slenderman stories she had been reading in online forums. Lily was charged with two counts of murder and one count of arson, and her arrest record is publicly available. However, the arrest record shows that she was released to the custody of the juvenile court system, and due to her age at the time of the crimes, her court records were sealed and there is no public information on her convictions or current whereabouts. The most well-known Slenderman crime occurred in May 2014 in Wakusha, Wisconsin, when two 12-year-old girls, Morgan Geyser and Anissa Wire, stabbed their friend, Peyton Lutner, 19 times 
in an attempt to prove themselves worthy to Slender Man. Morgan and Anissa both confessed to having planned the attack for a long time, but they had not settled on a plan until the morning of the attack. The girls all had a sleepover at Morgan's house the night before the attack. Morgan and Anissa discussed duct-taping Peyton's mouth and stabbing her to death in the house. But the girls told police that they got too tired and they fell asleep instead. The next morning, the girls had breakfast and played dress-up before leaving for a local park. Morgan stole a knife from the kitchen, and as they were all walking, showed the knife to Anissa. As the girls arrived at the park, they began the second plan they had come up with to murder Peyton. This plan involved stabbing her to death inside the bathroom at the park that had a drain in the floor for the blood to go. When the girls entered the bathroom, Anissa hit Peyton's head against the concrete in an attempt to knock her unconscious. She was not successful, and Peyton began to cry, so the girls convinced her it was a joke. After leaving the bathroom, Morgan and Anissa set into their third plan, which involved Anissa tackling Peyton to the ground and pinning her down while Morgan stabbed her. This plan succeeded, and Morgan stabbed Peyton 19 times, wounding her severely, but not killing her. The girls then told Peyton that they would go get help, and that she just needed to lie still to avoid losing more blood. But instead, the girls set out on their way to Nicolette National Park, where they believed Slenderman had a mansion. They feared and admired Slender Man, and their attempt at murdering Peyton had been to appease him, preventing him from hurting their families and allowing them to go live with him in his mansion. Peyton was found later that morning by a cyclist and was taken to the hospital in grave condition. Before being taken in for emergency surgery, she was able to tell police who attacked her and the other girls were taken into custody after they were found sitting on the side of an interstate after walking for about five hours. Peyton survived her surgery while Morgan and Anissa were charged as adults for the attempted murder. Both girls successfully pled insanity, with Morgan being diagnosed with early-onset schizophrenia, which is extremely rare. It was later disclosed that her father was also schizophrenic. Anissa's mental illness diagnosis is unclear, but both girls are incarcerated at the same mental institution. Anissa was sentenced to 25 years, while Morgan was sentenced to 40 years. Peyton, now 18, has spoken publicly about the attack, thanking the public for the outpouring of support she received and crediting the attack and her recovery with helping to shape the person she has become today. While each of these cases have clear connections to mental illnesses, it's important to make a distinction between mental illness and violence. There are multiple factors that lead to violent behaviors, with mental illness often being only a piece of the puzzle when it's even a piece at all. 
According to the National Institute of Mental Health, approximately one out of every five adult men and one out of every four adult women in the United States have some type of mental disease or disorder, and rates of violent crimes do not match this pattern. In fact, people suffering from mental illness are more likely to experience violence perpetrated against them or commit acts of self-harm than they are to commit violence against other people. Schizophrenia can cause paranoia and hallucinations, as well as grandiose thinking and disruptions in perception of reality, like in the case of Morgan Geyser believing that a sacrifice to Slender Man would bring her into his mansion forever. Many mental illnesses currently have no cure, but they can be treated and managed, and Morgan's diagnosis was unknown at the time, and so it was untreated. Statistics for mental illness rates in children and adolescents is extremely variable, as it can be difficult to differentiate between symptoms of mental illness and normal childhood and adolescent behavior. Mental illness in children can often go undetected or untreated because of this. Another important factor to include when discussing Slenderman crimes is children's intellectual and emotional development. A normal part of a child's development is egocentric thinking, which is the belief that something meaningful to the child will be equally meaningful to others. Children are often not able to understand other people's views or put themselves into others' shoes, so to speak. This egocentric behavior often follows children well into adolescence. There's also a great deal of anxiety and uncertainty for children entering adolescence, with an increased desire to fit in, as well as a belief that others are focused on them. This egocentric mindset and increased anxiety is present in each of these Slenderman cases. Slenderman entered the world simply enough, but rapidly evolved into something much more. The story became a phenomenon, drawing people in as if Slenderman himself were using his tentacles to do so. In the creation of Slenderman, we gained a worldwide cultural perspective as well as seeing the far-reaching effects of even the simplest actions. Stories surrounding Slenderman are told as facts, as if they were a lived experience of the storyteller. Slenderman also appeared during a time when photo and video editing software were improving in quality and availability, so adding a realistic story into the myth was an easy task. The combination of factually presented stories and a large audience of children and adolescents has proven dangerous. The Slenderman mythos is supported by an overwhelming amount of evidence, from newspaper clippings to photographs to cell phone videos. Of course, all of this so-called evidence is fake. Simply stories pulled from the recesses of people's minds and presented with an overwhelming amount of creativity and realism. Slenderman seems to be one of the most widely believed internet-based legends, and it's easy to see why. 
Lack of canon means that there are no boxes for the legend to have to fit into. Slenderman can be anyone or anything. He can be a monstrous murderer or an angel of death. He can be faceless or represent what you fear most. Even his name gives no hints as to what he is or what he wants. He's just a slender man-like being. He is insidious, the stuff of nightmares, the monster in your closet that slips out while you sleep. In fact, he could even be outside your house right now, standing under the tree, just waiting for you to get within his reach. All that we know is that Slenderman made the transition from urban legend to myth, and he isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Make sure to download next week's episode for a special Halloween edition of Wise, featuring Katrina and Jasmine from Spooky Gals podcast. And make sure to give Spooky Gals a listen as well to hear a second crossover Halloween episode. We'll be exploring cursed items and the stories behind them. If you have ideas for future episodes, or you just want to say hello, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at awisepodcast, or on my website, wisepodcast.budsprout.com. You can also help support me in creating more episodes by becoming a patron of WISE at patreon.com slash wisepodcast.